Our latest episode of Soundtracking features a much-loved British actor whose many credits include Four Weddings and a Funeral, Love Actually and Paddington 2. I am, of course, talking about Hugh Grant. Now, Hugh's been involved in plenty of memorable musical moments in front of the camera and takes a keen interest in the scores that feature in his projects with his producer hat on too. His latest project is A Very British Scandal, an incredible true story, available now via the BBC iPlayer, and I highly recommend checking it out if you have access to that particular service, wherever you're listening in the world. Also starring Ben Whishaw, A Very English Scandal is a three-part story of an illegal love affair that threatened the life of one man and the entire British establishment. Adding to a formidable roster of talent are director Stephen Frears, writer Russell T Davies and composer Murray Gold, with whose title theme we begin. Grant, welcome to Soundtrack. And now I have to confess that you've actually appeared on one of these episodes before without maybe realising. David Heyman very kindly spoke to us for Paddington 2. And whilst we were mid-interview, you bounded into the room to use a gentleman's toilet. <laughs> <laughs> and all we could hear in the background was, just finding a toilet, as oh. you kind of proceeded to... Uh, uh, well, to but, but, but yeah, age. But we're glad to have you, we're glad to have you properly on, on the show. Let's start with a very English scandal. Congratulations on this. I've seen all three episodes and it's absolutely incredible. Well, good. Um, I'm glad you liked it, Nick. Wonderful piece of filmmaking. Incredible story. True story. Uh, great performances. I love the aesthetic of it as well that Stephen's created and, and Russell's words obviously are, are hilarious and brilliant but also really heartfelt. What made you agree to this? Because it's got to be something particular for you because you, you know, you're picky. I'm, I'm a bit picky. <laughs> <laughs> What was it about this project in particular? Oh, it was it was incredibly well written, as you say, funny and and sad and real, mm. and I love that. I've always been most comfortable acting in and enjoy most things which are sort of funny and sad at the same time. Mm. It seems that's more like how life is. And the weirder the creatures are in a in a drama, uh, the more I enjoy them. And and these lot are really weird. The best stories are the true stories, aren't they? That's the thing. Yeah, sometimes I worry that it's, this story is too <laughs> weird to be believable. Four. Liberal Party. What's your name? I'm Norman, sir. Jeremy Thorpe is elected leader of the Liberal Party. He was helping. You're the youngest man to lead a British political party in more than a century. Careful now, I'm not sure any boy's worth ending up in prison for. I was a victim. My little bunny. Of his lust. He will destroy me, and the party, and my marriage. Mrs. Thorpe. To you. So, what would you like me to do? Jeremy Thorpe is a highly respected man. It is alleged that Thorpe and Mr. Scott began a homosexual affair. That's me. Peter Taylor accused On the telly. I can't believe they can say this on the BBC. 
This is the story of a liar meeting a fantasist. And I'm not sure which one's which. It's, it's bonkers, isn't it? It's bloody nuts. I'm arresting you for conspiracy to murder. He's perfected the art of hiding in plain sight. Jeremy Thorpe did this! It was Jeremy Thorpe! There is only one way for us to survive. I will talk, I will be heard, and I will be seen. You were amazing. I was rude, I was vile, I was queer, I was myself. Coming here to have music as a backdrop to our interview, I was kind of like, I, I don't know much about your musical tastes and, and how where music fits in your life, but there was something that I, I watched an, old, an interview that was when the BFI showed Morris, and one thing that you mentioned in that was you mentioned the composer and the music in your interview. You referenced the music yes. and how perfect and beautiful the music was. Yeah. I was like, ah, he pays attention. Well, yes, uh, and because I produced films quite a bit, and you get to learn that probably 50% of the impact of a film is the music. You know, there you are killing yourselves over script mm -hmm. and acting and production design and all these things, and actually, and editing. And then the moment the music goes on, it's a whole new film. And yeah. of course, some people start with the music. Tarantino starts with the music. Richard Curtis starts with the music. Do you get involved in the music side of things when you are producing a project then? Are you involved in those discussions? And yes, of course, yeah. To what extent? Well, you hire the composer. You know, one of the problems when you edit a film is you need music quite early on to see how it's all shaping up. So you put on temporary music. You just nick some music off some yeah. other film or other films. And the, the longer you go on editing like that and previewing like that, the, the, the greater the danger that you will fall in love with the temp track. And then when your very expensive composer comes along, you think, well, I don't like that, I like the temp. Mm -hmm. And then you enrage your very expensive composer by saying, perhaps something a bit more like yeah. the temp. And it's one of their great rivals. <laughs> and uh, that, that frequently happens. Yeah, we've had quite a few composers on, on the, the series who have, who have complained about that, going, you know, can you just make something that sounds exactly like this, yeah. but not so much so that we get sued for it? Yes, yes, they <laughs> hate it. And they, they always ask to see the film completely clean of any music, and I see why. With working with Richard Curtis and you know, various guises over various films, be right. it writer, director, does he do playlists, things like that? Does, <laughs> he, does he give you music for the characters? Or? Uh, no, I haven't come across that. Ken Russell used to play music during the take to get you in the mood, you know, but this would be classical bits of Schubert and things like that. But he was very mad. How was that? Does it help? Did you find it helped? Yes, it's incredibly helpful. And in fact, when I've been trying my very hardest to act my best, I have used music in headphones, you know, 
I had to do a, a, a terrifying scene in uh, Florence Foster Jenkins in which Meryl Streep's dying and I'm weeping at her bedside. And I thought, God, I, I really need to work it up for this. And so I did. I, I created a, a playlist on my phone called Sad. <laughs> and I shoved the headphones on as we, we were building up that day to that scene. I mean, it wasn't really working. And then I, I quickly downloaded some more. And I finally, I, uh, the, you never know what's going to yeah. press your button. It was the Military Wives Choir. <laughs> I can't remember the name of the song now. The first one they did, the first It went hit, to number it, one in yes, the charts. Yes, yes. Like wherever you are. One. Yeah. Absolutely broke my heart. I wept like a baby. And then they cut the crying out of the film. <laughs> no. She made me weep all over again. <laughs> We've got to talk about Paddington 2. Right. I mean, Rain on the Roof, the Stephen Sondheim track. What is great is that it now encourages my kids to sit right to the very end of the credits of every film we watch now because they just, genuinely, they're hoping for you to pop up at the end of every film with a song and dance number. <laughs> <laughs> that looked like you had a lot of fun with that. Did you? Well, no. I mean, I was... Uh, it was hell. <laughs> I just, was uh, <laughs> it was the first scene that I shot on that film? Oh wow! Yeah, and it's you know that's asking a lot of a fifty-six-year-old grumpy <laughs> man to suddenly be in uh, pink lycra prison suit, dancing downstairs with a bunch of very good professional dancers, uh, and uh, yeah, asking a lot, a lot. And then I had to fly through the air, trussed up like a chicken. <laughs> Not easy. The rain on the roof go pit pity pat pit pity pat Sit kitty cat we won't get home for hours Relax and listen to the rain on the roof go Blunk blank a blink blunk blank a blink Let's have a drink and shelter from the showers Rain rain don't go away fill up the sky Rain through the night
you. Well, it seems I didn't need the West End after all. Just a captive audience. What am I like? Guards, lock me up. The weight you have. <laughs> what were you prepped for it? How did you prepare for it? Well, I went to dance classes. I, I was back in the same dance studio that I, where I prepared my dancing for Florence Foster Jenkins. And uh, it is ghastly at my age. It's ghastly. And, and the first lessons, you just think, I need to resign from the film. But then there comes uh, a rather lovely moment where you, you, one morning, as you're stepping out of the shower, you find your feet can do that movement. I found that learning to dance for films and learning bits of music, like learning how to play the piano, it's one of the few times when learning actually works. Uh -huh. You work, and then suddenly you can do it. Whereas, for instance, with golf, I learned for 12 years and I'm still terrible. <laughs> you still get to play on some of the best courses in the world, though. <laughs> yes, but with terrible anger. My local I can't course. enjoy it. In fact, the old course in St Andrews, which is just Are up you the road. from there? I'm from Anstruther, just down the road, yeah. Well, I never... Has that ever been part of your repertoire as an actor, that kind of musical theatre side of things, of, of having a, a want or need to be to be part of that world? You've had little kind of flurries in films. I mean, Florence Foster Jenkins is maybe the kind of closest to that world. Well, I sing and play the guitar in About a Boy. Yeah. Uh, I still have a beautiful guitar that Gibson lent me and then I think gave me in the end. Wow. It sits there gathering dust and I, I really must get it out again because... Oddly enough, what I've realised, I now have a lovely piano in my house as well, and my children are learning it, and what I realised that part of my golf addiction is actually satisfied by music, because really the, the moment that's like crack cocaine is when you hit a five iron perfectly, and the sensation, the vibrations that go up the shaft of the club into your hands and through your body is so exquisite, you think, I, I must have that again, and you'll do anything to get it again, and, and the next 12 years of your life goes down the drain. <laughs> but I now realise, sitting there playing chords on the piano, that hits the same spot, that the vibrations that go through your body are as delicious, and it's a hell of a lot less trouble. You don't have to get in the car and schlep <laughs> angrily round, you know, for four hours in the rain. <laughs> What do you play? Well, nothing, just uh, bits that I remember from having learnt from films. Mm. But I'm now thinking of racing my six-year-old to grade one of the piano. But I think she'll win, in fact. That's amazing. It is a wonderful thing to see kind of children's interpretation of things, just even just plonking away and finding melody. And, and it's, uh, I, it's such a cliche, but it, children should be forced at gunpoint to learn the piano or, or, or some musical instrument, I think. Because I, I, I was allowed to give up. Me I was too. having lessons with Mrs. Lloyd Webber. Andrew's no. mother was my piano teacher Yeah, when I was a, a small boy. And I just, it was too difficult and I was allowed to give up. And I'm very sad about it. Can we talk about About a Boy? Because it's just, I, I watched it recently. I had that wonderful thing where I did a little bit of channel hopping and there it was. And it was like, right, great, relax. Have you given yourself the joy of watching it at all <laughs> recently? I wouldn't say joy is the word. <laughs> but I can watch that film with less agony than some of the others, yes. What can yeah. you remember about that time? Well, it was lovely because I loved the Whites brothers who uh, adapted it and, and directed it. We really got on incredibly well and we were friends to this day. And it was a lovely sort of uh, breakout for me from some of the roles I'd been playing before. The character was trendier, the, the clothes were cooler. <laughs> um, it was all North London sort of, you know, Nick Hornby world and... Uh, I just felt this is going to be cool, and they shot it in a very cool way. And then we previewed it in Reading, these terrifying test screenings one has, and it played to deathly silence, and I thought, oh, God, nightmare. 
And then I remember one of the uh, Tim Bevan from Working Title coming out afterwards after they filled out all those forms <laughs> saying how much they liked it, you know, a lot, a little, medium, not at all, all that. How much did you like Hugh Grant? Not at all, all that. <laughs> uh, they have all the numbers. And I remember him coming out, waving this piece of paper, saying, no, it's gigantic. And people wow. really loved it. And that's, that's, that's the big moment. And I think, you know, you talked at the very start about how so much of our production is down to the music and the music in that film. Badly Drawn Boy. Damon got, yeah, Badly Drawn Boy did was just, I think, a classic album. Yes, and it's cool to use the same artist for the entire film. They based that on The Graduate, which does the same thing. Yeah, so, they, you know, he, he got the tone exactly right and it's sort of sad and urban and perfect. I've been dreaming watching films are there any films for you that you remember the music resonating with you and kind of making an impact well it's interesting isn't it because uh, they say good composers film composers that if you remember the music they've done their job wrong mm -hmm. you sort of have to go back and focus on it to really realize what a great job it's doing or, or then you're listening to radio 3 and they have great <laughs> scores and you think christ that is a brilliant bit of music yeah. by john williams or whatever it might be as i say in in producing i got very closely involved in that whole part of the process to the point where I once held the baton conducting, I think it was the London Symphony Orchestra or someone. Wow. Especially um, with uh, comedies, it's not just emotion you're trying to enhance with the music, but it's the comedy, and that's really, really delicate. And not just with the score, but with the source music. The, yeah. Yes, exactly. I remember a scene in one film in previews always got great laughs. Then we changed the music that was on the jukebox in the background, and which mixed, mixed quite low anyway. And suddenly all the laughs go. And that's how delicate comedy can be. What was the uh, film you were conducting the orchestra on? Uh, Mickey Blue Eyes. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. lifelong dream to not at all to, oh, I didn't wow. know what the hell I was doing <laughs> and it was only for about 10 seconds of one track but, but you you look at the composers that have worked on on the films that you've you know you've been part of and it's an amazing collection of people even we, we had Guy Ritchie on the show talking about the man from uncle and uh, I actually spent some time recently with Daniel Pemberton who did the music from that as well and it's a fantastic score yeah brilliant
so clever and I know that Guy and, and Daniel will both admit that it was hell to put together in terms of it was so precise as to what yeah. Guy wanted for that Yeah. I loved that film I thought your role in that was great as well that character Alexander was fantastic and oh, really different as well I agree I love that film I think Guy Ritchie is a proper filmmaker in the sense that uh, he's got cinema in his blood directors where their work could be kind of interchangeable between cinema and television. It, it, they shrink well, as it were. But his films need to be seen on a big screen. He's a, he's a big screen guy. and He uses every cinematic trick that exists. I, I think it's, it's proper genius, actually, and so stylish, which is so rare amongst British filmmakers. You know, we've always been good at script and story and uh, acting and those things but perhaps not our strongest suit would be production design and cinematography I mean we've had wonderful people don't mm. get me wrong but it's not what you go to a British film automatically for but Guy gets those things yeah perhaps because he comes from advertising which has always been a slicker medium I, I kind of think he's a bit kind of almost like our Tarantino in a way in terms especially for the way he uses music and absolutely has music as absolutely well. yes that's exactly right Music and lyrics, big ask of you for a role. It wasn't just about <laughs> acting. There was a lot of performing in that in terms of, you know, with the character, yeah, yeah. Alex Fletcher. How was that for you? Because it was a lot of it was in front of big audiences as well. Big audiences of extras. <laughs> um, well, it was it was terrifying and... Um, because I'm, I've never You've had. You've got a good voice, I have to say. I don't, I singing? don't. I'm tweaked. I'm tweaked in all those films. I saw you across the dance floor, out of the corner of my eye. I felt a connection. I don't know how. I don't know why. I shouldn't have stayed when I saw you there with another man. But I 
<laughs> well, that's what they told me. So when I recorded all those songs for, for music and lyrics, I was working with people who turned out to be absolute top record producers mm -hmm. in New York. And I, I was so astounded at what they were able to do. I mean, literally, I could have taken a dog in there and it could have barked into the microphone <laughs> and it would have come out sounding brilliant. And I said, I didn't realize that this is how music is made now. And they said, oh, yeah. And then listed a really startling number of top musical acts who are, can't they said can't sing a note <laughs> but it doesn't really matter I don't think this I'm being disloyal to Drew Barrymore who I love but her singing was much worse than mine but <laughs> in terms of hitting notes but because she has soul and loves music and mm -hmm. uh, music is never off her I, iPhone or what would you call it I've listened to music all the time iPod <laughs> by the time they tuned her up she actually sounds fantastic she's got real heart Whereas I never stopped sounding like Julie Andrews. <laughs> Funny you should mention that, because I heard that you played, was it Brigitte in school when you were 12? Brigitte von Trapp. I was very good. Yeah. So the singing obviously started at a very early age. Yes, well, we did, we did song and dance once a year at school. We were quite a camp music department, a drama department at my uh, school, and they liked to get the boys into dresses singing songs once a year. It's a good thing. She'd be encouraged. Yes, I agree. More than once a year. I agree. I've been living with a shadow overhead. I've been sleeping with a cloud above my bed. I've been lonely for so long. Trapped in the past, I just can't seem to move on. I've been hiding all my hopes and dreams away. Just in case I ever need them again Someday I've been setting aside time To clear a little space in the corners of my mind All I wanna do is find a way back into love I can't make it through That is my rock and roll face. <laughs> Millions of women find that very sexy. <laughs> Are you promised? Are you? Richard Curtis films as well there's always kind of specific kind of musical moments and there's a couple within Four Weddings or Love Actually that have 
ask specific things of you, love, actually. We, we have the, the infamous dancing scene. Yes. to ask if you are in an environment where you hear that song how does it make you feel oh well no <laughs> it's not like Pavlov's dog and I, I can't <laughs> immediately start leaping about uh, <laughs> but I do that... I love to dance I mean I'm there's music wherever you go now you stand in a sandwich shop and there's music and I always dance I think it's rude not to yeah me too yeah if they've <laughs> taken the trouble to put it on, you should get on down. If it makes people smile and happier, then why the hell not? That's what I think. Yes. Definitely. I love that line in Four Weddings, though, where he uses the lyrics of a David Cassidy song to profess his love, uh, you know, in the words of David, I think I love you. Was, was that in the script? That was Richard. That was all there in terms of... Yeah, yeah, words. that was very much written. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, he, is a, he adores music. Mm. He's obsessed with pop music. <laughs> and as I said earlier, he... He tells me when he was sort of thinking of a film, he's just sitting there listening to tunes and sort of cooking up a story around the tunes he's listening to. With Florence Foster Jenkins and uh, working with Stephen Frears, who, who obviously you worked with again on Very English Scandal, I mean, that was music was such a big part of that, and Meryl's, Meryl's awful but brilliant performance. Yes. I don't know what was that like on set and what was her preparation for that, because I imagine having to sound bad is actually deliberately harder. Had Meryl herself been a very bad singer, I think she'd have struggled more to have performed a bad singer. But as you probably know, she's actually virtually professional as a, as a singer. She's an amazing... As she is everything else. I know. <laughs> she's a startling human being. Um, so she knew exactly. She could had a dial of how bad to be from, you know, one to ten. She could do it very precisely. And she usually went for about five. <laughs> But then occasionally, if she was off camera and I was on camera, she'd try and make me laugh by going to <laughs> 11.
Alexandre Desplat's score for that is is yeah, he's a great genius. Fantastic. Yeah. your five pence worth on a production where you're not producing on things like that you? well yeah you can't stop me I'm <laughs> extremely interfering and annoying uh, I mean, and, and Stephen Frears is charmingly ungrand and collaborative and always saying come on into the editing room and have a, have a look see what you think and of course I rub my hands go and give us 20 pages of notes we did a Q&A recently with yourself and Stephen and Ben and Russell and you know he's not the easiest person to interview Stephen no. he's, he's lovely and, and incredibly talented but interviews in, particularly in public are, are definitely not his thing um, but I said this to him the other day I had a drink with him uh, yesterday or the day before I said so you, you refuse to speak about your craft in any shape or form in any interview I've ever seen you do or been in with you and yet you teach he teaches at the London Film School, or National Film School, whatever it is, once a week. I said, wow. what do you say? <laughs> <laughs> that's, what he has. that's how he needs to conduct his interviews then. He needs to conduct them like a classroom and just have all the journalists in a classroom yes. talk to them like that. I think it that's be, right. It would be, but thank you so much because you were my saving grace for that one in terms of, <laughs> because you know him so well. What about in life? Where does music sit, and and what role does music have for you? In well, it doesn't have a big enough role, and it should have more. I think I'm frightened of it. I don't really like being. Uh, I, I don't like emotions. They upset me. <laughs> Unless you need to pull on them for rules and things. Yes, exactly. So now I, I use it cynically to get myself into the right mood <laughs> for, for acting. I love that you named the playlist just be, just cry. It was sad. Yes, oh, sad. sad. Yeah. Then I've got I've got other playlists. <laughs> I've got Pep. For when I'm really feeling I can't go out tonight, I put on Pep, but I've also got Pep Naff. Okay, what's on Pep and what's on Pep Naff? Give me an example. Well, Pep will have things like uh, the Gypsy Kings. Pep Naff will have ABBA. It's just a warning not to play it if there's an attractive woman in the car or something. I love that. Caballo le lanzabana, porque muy despreciado, por eso no te perdono llorar. Ese amor llega así, esta manera, no tiene la culpa. Amor de compra y venta, amor de en el pasado. Ven, 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 ven,
I think after Paddington 2 and the Rain on the Roof scene as well, there's a want from so many people for a spin-off musical of Phoenix Buchanan. <laughs> if David Heyman and Paul King were to come to you with that idea, would it tantalise you? Would it be something you'd think yes, about? Yes, I, I would quite like to do that. I think it's a brilliant idea. Oh my God, yes. Yeah. I didn't think you'd Musicals say you Musicals are just would. so lovely. I, I, I mean, I'm increasingly enchanted by musicals, both on the stage and, and on the screen. I mean, what, what more do you want from a film than to be charmed mm-hmm. the way song and dance charms you? And there we are at the Oscars every year with deep, dark, serious, depressing stuff. You never see, he said, thinking, La La Land just ruins your theory. <laughs> I just tailed off. Think back to, yeah, yeah, and when did Chicago win as well? But it but takes too often. long for them to come. Yeah, and when you think of the heyday of the And The Greatest Showman, I don't know if you've seen that. It's not the type of thing that I would, I guess, choose to go and see the cinema, but I went to see it for work, yeah. and I was enamoured. Ladies and gents, this is the moment you've waited for. Searching in the dark, your sweat soaking through the floor. And buried in your bones, there's an ache that you can't ignore. Taking your breath, stealing your mind, and all that was real is left behind. Don't fight it, it's coming for you, running at you. It's only this moment, don't care what comes after. Y'all feel a dream, can't you see you getting closer? Just surrender, cause you feel the feeling taking over. It's fire! powerful where it's you can't control it really? it lifts yeah. you it's like a fine carpet of emotion you're just off yeah and the album was in the top 10 for weeks as was the film because it connected and that was because of the music okay well that's what i'll watch tonight there you go. with my curry <laughs> that feels like the perfect time to end so thank you so much for your time no, and not at all. congratulations on a very english scandal and i very much look forward to the phoenix buchanan musical <laughs> thanks
From Murray Gold's score to a very English scandal, that's the new leader of the Liberal Party. Rounding off this latest episode of Soundtracking with Hugh Grant. My huge thanks to Hugh for taking the time to talk to us, particularly with such a nasty cough. A Very English Scandal is available via the BBC iPlayer and is well worth checking out if you have access to it. Now you can find all of our previous episodes on iTunes, including my conversation with Paddington 2 producer David Heyman. Please do subscribe and rate us while you're there. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. We are at Soundtracking UK and do please continue to spread the word. Every little helps. Next up sees the return of Ron Howard to discuss Solo, a Star Wars story. I very much look forward to the pleasure of your company then. Mm-hmm.